Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, January 6th, 2014. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are at page 33, paragraph 2. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Diane G., The Twelve Traditions, Anne-Marie M., Reading the Text, Chelsea H., Carrie H., and Deanna B. The reference number for yesterday, which was Monday, January 5th, 2014, is 7163. 7163. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 steps. Diane G., can you press star one? Hi, Melanie. I had a call back in. Um, Can you hear me now? I can. Good morning. Good for you. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane um, from New Hampshire. Grateful to be here today to read the steps, 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening 
as a result of these steps. We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. I will now ask Anne-Marie M. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Anne-Marie M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in South Carolina, the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, a public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, <clears throat> films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you, Anne-Marie M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for, for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 33 at paragraph 3, Young People May Be Encouraged. And I will ask Chelsea H. to begin our study today. Good morning, Thank Chelsea. you, Melanie. Thanks for your service. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This is Chelsea. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. Young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop, as he did, on their own willpower. We doubt if many of them can do it, because none will really want to stop, and hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired, will find he can win out. 
Several of our crowd, men of 30 or less, had been drinking only a few years, but they found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking 20 years. And I'm still Chelsea, and I'm still recovered for today, and very grateful about that, and thank you, Dee Dee. Um, this information here is telling me that, first of all, I need this is all about identifying in for me. Am I this? Am I a compulsive overeater? Do I even need to be here on the phone at this time in the morning? And it's telling me that once I cross that point of no return, I hear the uh, cucumber analogy on this line a lot, the cucumber pickle analogy. Once I've been pickled, I can't go back. And it's saying it's a good lesson here for me that whether you're young or not, it doesn't matter whether I've been drinking for 20 years or um, two years or if I've been eating because once that mental twist has taken over, I no longer have the power of choice. I lack power. And it kind of reiterates what we read on 32 just before this, where it says that though they, couldn't, they had no way of proving it, that they believed early in our drinking careers that we could have stopped. But the difficulty, the difficulty was that there was no desire, just like in what we read here, what I just read here right now. I, even the young folks had no desire. And for me, as when I was younger, even older, it doesn't even really have to be younger. Some people whose eating careers might have started out um, from some kind of ex tragic experience or something or a breakup or what have you, and they started eating their way through that, and that peculiar mental twist kicked in started telling them that that was okay to do, and on and on they went until they crossed that point of no return to where it was the pickle. And for myself, bulimia and laxatives were my um, panacea. At least I thought that was it. And that started early in my eating career. And for a while it worked. But then that, that peculiar mental twist came in and started saying to me, you know what, this is the solution. This is the way that you fix everything. You can eat all you want, and you don't have to suffer the repercussions from doing it, Charles. And then it just started speaking, and that kind of language to me of take it, go ahead, have more, have more, have more, that mental twist, even though I would say this is it, I'm not going to practice that behavior anymore. No more. I'm not going to take another laxative. Lo and behold, I was buying packs and packs, and then I'd switch to liquid. So it went on and on, and it's that whole mental thing, that brokenness in my mind that tells me it's okay to keep repeating the same injurious behavior and get a different result. So lack of power kicked in at that point, full throttle. And it was my drinking career then at that point had no return. And the only solution was to walk through these steps and then practice the principles of those steps in all my affairs 24-7. I don't always do it ideally, but I do with the help of my divine director, um, try one day at a time, one meal at a time, one phone call at a time to live in a spiritual way. And thanks for letting me share, guys, and always so grateful to be here now. Pass. Thank you, Chelsea H. Who would like to comment on what was read this morning? Marcin. Sue Larry. Bernada. Kim. Okay, what I have so far is Marcella, Kim G, Larry, Renata and Du. Let's start with that lineup. Good morning, Marcella. Uh, good morning. Um, thank you so much for your service. Um, Marcella, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, so grateful to be alive and uh, in recovery today. Loving January. 
I don't know about you, but in the past, January was a nightmare because it was the beginning of the year when I was going to have my diet and lose all the weight and keep it off. And by the 6th, which is today, I would ha- I would be white-knuckling through six days of trying to follow my diet, and, and I knew inside of my mind that I was going to break it any time. And today is so different because I'm not living like a man of 30. It's not a diet just so well I lose the weight or so that I just like fit in that dress so that I can um, go to that wedding or to that party or so too. It's not. It's just, it's a flow. Now I live this way. So every day is the same and every day is abstinent in recovery, which means I'm not hungry. Thank you, God. I'm not afraid of the scale. I'm not afraid of the mirror. I fit in my size for clothing every day and that is just such a wonderful way of life how did i acquire recovery by first of all join the group just come commonly and join us join our strength and then the words of the big book something happens when we read the big book to one another i I definitely identify with what we're reading right now you know that the four most common relapses the man of 30 fred team and the jaywalker and 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 I am the man of 30, which, you know, we will keep my diet for a little bit. And then it doesn't matter how long it takes. I would always, always, always gain the weight that I lost and a little bit more, which which aberrant, horrific, terrible, disturbing food behaviors. And, and, and it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't matter if you have been trying and trying and trying for decades so like it happened to me. It doesn't matter if you're a brand newcomer. It doesn't matter if you're an old-timer struggling. Just join the boat. We can do it together. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Marcella M. Kim G. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Young people and old people, I think, too, may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop as he did on their own willpower. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm always looking for that loophole. I'm always looking for that easier, softer way. And, and I just want to address something I, I, I sometimes hear on the line that, that concerns me. We talk about this educational variety spiritual awakening. I'm having the slow spiritual awakening. And what that means when I grab onto that loophole is I can sit and I can work on step one and I can work on step two. And we don't work steps one and two. They're simply conclusions of the mind. If that gives me the excuse that I can sit in my fourth step for a year, and if we go back to the, you know, let's bring it to the book, in the spiritual awakening in the back of the book where it talks about the educational variety, it says what often happens in a few months couldn't have been happened in years of self-discipline, which is what this man of 30 is practicing, years of self-discipline. So they're saying on the outset it should take a couple months. Not that on the normal, it's on the outset it will take a couple months. Let's look what the book says about us needing this spiritual awakening. You know, on page 59, right before the steps, it says, we've come to the conclusion we're powerless. We've come to the conclusion we need a power. And it says, we need one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. And as a compulsive overeater looking for that loophole, I think, well, now means later. Now means in a couple months. Now means when I get comfortable in my abstinence. And the fact is, if I can get comfortable in my abstinence, I don't need to work the steps. Because my book tells me that I am holding my breath underwater. And I am not a Navy SEAL. I can't hold it for long. My book tells me I need to work this quickly and thoroughly because I'm going to eat. 
so when are we told that there's a there's you know after the steps are done, after we get in, we're living in 10, 11, and 12, that's when we see language like a long period of reconstruction is ahead. This is going to continue for our lifetime. This is not an overnight matter. But we need to get through these steps because we need a spiritual awakening. And then once we have that, our spiritual life will grow, which is why at four years, I need to work this program more intensely than I did when I first became recovered. And going back to that spiritual experience again, it says we've had a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. It doesn't say to maintain recovery. There's a lot of work to be done once we get through these steps. But I just want to warn people about that loophole. We do not have a lot of time to work these steps because that mental twist will come in. And if we think we can be like the man of 30 and do it on our own willpower, maybe it will work for a time. But my experience is the relapse will become worse and more intense. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Larry Kay. Thanks, Mel. Uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, you know, it's uh, here where it says, um, you know, we, we doubt that many of them can do it because none of them will really want to stop. You know, I, I approach it from a biological standpoint. You know, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I will always be an alcoholic. You know, we've learned we have the allergy of the body and we have the obsession of the mind. But it's, you know, I study biology from a neurological standpoint. And, and it's biological in the sense that, that, that we have a chemical predisposition. It's often inherited. And, and even, even um, what I find kind of cool, even identical twin studies, of long standing show that identical twins, you know, they share 100% of their DNA. Separated at birth will tend to both be alcoholic or non-alcoholic, regardless of their environmental upbringing. Uh, even the, there's a, a cool study: the chemicals, uh, the fundamental chemicals taken from the, the brain of a rat, a rat alcoholic, and placed in the brain of a non-alcoholic rat makes an instant alcoholic out of that rat, a rataholic, I guess you call it. You know, this is a chemical disease. It's not the, you know, I used to think it was just strictly dependent on, you know, that if anybody was raised the way I was raised, of course they'd be a compulsive reader. Not so. Perhaps some of your siblings are not compulsive readers. They may be, but you might not share 100% of your DNA with them unless they're identical twins. So, and it's a primary disease. It's not a secondary one, you know, meaning it's not dependent on, on social, religious, parental systems entirely. It has its own diagnosis, its own pathology. It's a, it's a disease. So, it's, in other words, it's not dependent on the existence of another disease. It's a primary disease. You know, it's, it's progressive. Just like any, any, you know, diabetes, or it always gets worse over any considerable period of time. And it seems to, what's interesting is it seems to progress, young, old, doesn't matter. It seems to progress whether the alcoholic continues to drink or not, you know. Um, the, our ism is chronic because it never stops of its own accord. It just keeps coming back. And, the, 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 you know, the big whammy is it's fatal. This disease will kill you much sooner, statistically much sooner than the natural, natural cause of death, often many years sooner. So, sure, we, we have this disease, this allergy of the body, this obsession of the mind, 
And of course, you, you can't stop of your own accord. And what I've found is no amount of therapy, no amount of anything. The only thing that has remedied this disease is a complete restructuring that God has done for me. And I don't, uh, you know, I'm not going to pull any punches in telling you, you know, I subjected myself to all that science had to offer. Didn't work. These steps, these simple steps, progressing through them is what worked. And it brought me into a new relationship with my higher power. And now it's, uh, I don't, you know, science, I can still live happily in the world of science and happily in the world of the spirit. But it's the spirit that solved this problem for me. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. Renata G. Hi, good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G. Recovered Composable Read in New York. And I want to focus on because none will really want to stop. You know, I really relate to this because before I was ready, you know, before this disease beat me into a state of reasonableness, I didn't want to stop eating compulsively. I didn't want to let go of my triggered food. I wanted to to keep on eating like a compulsive eater, but I didn't want to have the physical and, emotion, and emotional consequences that came with it. You know, uh, when I came to the rooms, I was able to lose the weight and stay abstinent for two years because, you know, like the, the men of 30, I had a new drive, you know, for him, it was money and success, and for me, it was pride. You know, my pride plus the tools kept me abstinent for two years, but I was miserable. I was, you know, I was miserable. I was still obsessed with food, and, um, you know, I was absent, but I was not free. Whatever I tried in the past worked for a while until, you know, it didn't work anymore. And so nothing but the, the 12 steps was enough to remove that mental twist from me. Um, uh, today, you know, I know that the the the, the mental twist the mental twist is my biggest problem. You know, it's the greater aspect of my disease, and I know in my heart that I'm no match for it. And if I don't work the steps every day in my life, it will surely come back. You know, and uh, and when it comes back, it it takes over. Um, so, you know, by working the self-test as laid out in this big book, by using, you know, a spiritual solution against a spiritual problem, then, you know, today by the grace of God, I can live free. When I was trying to use a physical solution to my spiritual problem, it didn't work. You know, abstinence is not my solution today, but an unblocked relationship with God is and, uh, you know, the only way I could achieve that relationship, that un- unblocked relationship with God, was by, by working the 12 steps, you know, by working this uh, practical, spiritual problem of action. I needed to take action. Um, and with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. Do L. Good morning. This is uh, Du L, Recover Compulsive Reader. Um, it says here, uh, the last part, it says several of our crowd, men of 30 or less, had been drinking only a few years, but they found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking 20 years. And, you know, when I read this, I, I hear good news. I hear good news. 
because for those that have a high bottom in program and think, well, you know, I haven't had disastrous compulsive breeding like other people. I haven't gained weight. I haven't gotten disease. I haven't gotten diabetes. I, you know, I seem to be doing all right with my life. My, my life seems somewhat manageable, you know. Um, it's good news because the thing is you might be having problems with your eating. If you're having lack of control over your food when you pick those foods up, then you're probably a compulsive overeater. And I love what... Um, what the doctor's uh, opinion uh, reconfirms with this, it says, we believed and so suggested a few years ago that the action of the alcoholic on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy. Now, you don't have to lose everything to be a chronic alcoholic, to be a, a chronic compulsive overeater. Because once the allergy is manifested, once you pick up that first bite and you lose control over the amounts you take or the quantities, then you're, you're probably a compulsive overeater. And it says, and it never occurs in the average temperate eater or drinker, you know? And so if it never occurs, not even one time, then that's already an indication that you're probably a compulsive overeater. If it's occurring already, you're probably a compulsive overeater, you know? People can uh, uh, moderate their food if, if they don't have this problem. They can take it or leave it. They can, um, but if you find that you can't stop, once you start, you're probably a compulsive overeater. And it says that the hopelessness is as those with 20 years. If you feel that bottomless pit that you can't seem to get out of it, then, you know, it's, it's, it's already a problem. And I just want to relate this one experience <clears throat> by closing up with this, is that, you know, we have um, a member here on A Vision for You who's 17 years old, 17 years old, and she identified herself as a compulsive overeater. You know, she couldn't stop. You know, she noticed that there was something different about her. She couldn't stop with the candy wrapper. She couldn't stop with, 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 with binging, you know, and, I mean, she's a nice size weight, she's, but she couldn't control the amounts that she was taking. And when she heard about this program and she heard about the 12 steps and she tuned in, she's on her way to recovery. And that's the blessing. That It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old, if you're high bottom, if you're low bottom. The point is, if you're hopeless, once you start and you can't stop, then you must have the allergy. And if you have the allergy, then there's a way out. And the steps show you what that way is. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Duel. I'd like to take um, one or maybe two more before we move on to the next paragraph. Who would like to share next? Bella, can I share? I will take Bella, G, and Basa O. Thank you so much. Good morning, Bella. Yes, good morning. This is Bella G., a thankful recovered compulsive overeater now in Israel for two weeks. Uh, thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. To think that they can stop. Yes, I lived for so many years with, uh, with believing that I can stop and punishing myself and punishing everybody 
because I believe that I can stop. Thank you, God, that now that I am in the program, I, I change my beliefs. I change my way of thinking. And yes, I change the way of behaving. Yes, now I believe that it's nothing to do with my willpower. And because I don't have a willpower. And today I believe that I am human, and because I am human, I don't have the willpower, and I can't stop by myself. Today, I choose to believe that I am connected to a higher power, to a power greater than myself, a loving power, an accepting power, and I don't have to prove, not to myself, and not to nobody, that... I can't stop by myself, and I need to be connected to a higher power to be able to, to, to live different and to know that it's nothing to do with me and my willpower. Yes, today I believe that I am connected to a higher power greater than myself. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Vasa O. Thank you. Good morning, Melanie and everybody. And I'm Vasa, a compulsive overeater calling from Florida. And yes, I thought in my early years of eating, I could stop. Hello. My... Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, somebody's unmuted, please. Pastor, I want to mute. Can you hear me now? I can, Vasa. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. And again, good morning, everybody. My name is Vasa O. Calling. I'm recovered compulsive overeater calling from Florida. And Melanie, thank you so much for your service. Um, and yes, uh, there was in my early years of eating, my eating behaviors, I thought maybe I could stop it, you know, and it was getting progressively worse for me by trying to stop and stop, stop and stop many, many, many times. I've I've shared how many times I've gained and lost, like maybe hundreds and hundreds of pounds over my eating lifetime till I came to recovery. And by then, you know, I mean, I had crossed over. You know, I just gave in to my disease, and I said, I'm just going to die. And, you know, and always was the last stop for me. You know, I mean, I crawled into in, into the program, and I was ready to admit nobody was going to convince me that I was not powerless. I knew within myself I just could not manage. I was powerless over the food addiction. And then again, I'm so grateful that I, you know, kept on coming and hearing. And once an alcoholic, uh, it's always going to be always an alcoholic. And once a food addict, it's going to be always a food addict. Because I was born with the allergy and the, and the mental obsession. I, I really did not blame my parents about the, my food, you know, but I did blame them with the, about other things, you know. That's one thing. I never blamed them because of they did this or they did that, you know. Uh, but I did eat over those things, you know, and I'll get, we'll get in that to step four and five. But anyways, it is by the grace of God I'm abstinent, and I have such a peace and serenity when it comes to my food today. I don't live to eat anymore. I just eat because it's fuel for my body. 
And, uh, you know, I don't have to tell my husband every night. I love to read. I, I, I don't know if he remembers how many times I've told him I loved him, but I love to read. I was in love with food, and I love the effects of the food, you know, the allergy. And, again, no matter how much I, you know, I gained the weight, but I liked the effect, and I couldn't put it down. So, I, you know, it was causing me a lot of problems, you know, beginning physical problems, too. So um, I'm so grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm so grateful that God brought me into the big book and, and, and the 12 steps and the transformation of my, my, the body, the mind, and the soul. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Carrie H., would you continue our study, please, by reading the third paragraph on page 33? Yes, thanks, Mel. My name is Terry H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantities some of us have. This is particularly true of women. Potential female alcoholics often turn into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. Certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics are astonished at their inability to stop. We who are familiar with the symptoms seem see a large number of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere, but try and get them to see it. So I, <clears throat> so this paragraph for me is, you know, this is telling me the sooner I'm able to spot my symptoms of having this twofold disease, the sooner, you know, I can move towards recovery. And I, I you know, this page, um, on page, <clears throat> excuse me, page 44, um, four lines in, you know, it says, if you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably alcoholic. So um, I, turn these, I turn this statement into questions, and it would read, if you honestly want to, do you find you cannot quit entirely? Or if when drinking, do you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably, you probably alcoholic. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So this, you know, so I, I think about, you know, this paragraph and, I, you know, it tells me the sooner I can, you know, really spot my symptoms, I no longer have to, you know, keep continuing to kill myself for the food and, um, you know, or no longer have to think of myself weak or immoral because, you know, how many times did I try it on my own, my own power and, you know, always ended up with the same result. Um, and it was such a it's such a, a relief for me to find out that you know I have a physical and mental uh, you know and it's I'm affected by this illness with its physical and mental you know um, symptoms and that I have this disease and it's it's not my fault you know thank you God that it's not my fault and by having this truth you know all I had to do was admit my powerlessness and um, move towards the solution um, and you know my journey began. Um, for me, I'm so you know I, I'm just so grateful that I was able to to really diagnose myself um, all by simply identifying in instead of comparing out. And my truth today is the symptoms of my illness. You know, I have the inability to control the amount once I start, and the inability to stop entirely despite my most urgent needs. So. Um, for me, you know, every I'm, I'm so grateful that every compulsive bite got me here, and all the twelve steps keep me here. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Terry H. Who would like to comment on what was just read? Rapia. 
Paula. Hi, good morning, Rabia. And then Paula. Let's go with Paula. I mean, Rabia first and then Paula. Good morning, Rabia. Good morning, oh my dear fellow visionaries. This is Rabia, and I am a compulsive overeater in New York. And I love being on the line with all of you this morning. And there's an asterisk at the end of this paragraph. I'm just reading, true when this book was first published, but a 2003 U.S.-Canada membership survey showed about one-twelfth of AAs were 30 and under. And and so that was in 2003, and this is more than 10 years later. So this just shows me that that this disease is all-inclusive, and it's not exclusive. Uh, it affects everybody, age, gender, race, all across the board. And our recovery is also all-inclusive, not exclusive, and everybody is welcome to recover with us, and we don't single out anybody. Um, and I'm, I'm not even shocked anymore by all the different people who are affected by this disease because I, I, I know that um, this peculiar mental twist, I know it was in the paragraph before, however, it, it still is popping off the page at me because because I have this peculiar mental twist, and it doesn't go away. And I can I know today it's not going to go away because I speak with recovered compulsive overeaters, and and we and we all still have this peculiar mental twist. And anything in life can can bring it back. Um, I can be in a car ride for ten hours and be sedentary and not exercise for a few days and start feeling fat. I'll get this peculiar mental twist. I'll get constipated. I'll, something will happen with my body. It'll trigger that feeling. I feel fat, and I want to eat. There's so many things that, that activate this peculiar mental twist. And today, and and today I know that the, um, just like it says, the, the so much, nothing will ensure immunity from this peculiar mental twist as intensive work with alcoholics. And I just read this paragraph last night with a beginner, and and I love this book, Coming Alive Through Others. And she had just written about how she identifies with this part of the big book. And, um, and there's no greater joy than watching someone come alive and also... Uh, this book coming alive again, and 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 this is what I do um, to ensure myself from listening to that peculiar mental twist. And I'm so happy to be here with all of you. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Rabia M. Paula D. And thank you. This is Paula D. And I am a compulsive reader recovered by the grace of God. And thank you, Melanie, for your service. We must live in gratitude. And as we read this, to be gravely affected, you know, we often hear there is the affected and there is the infected. You know, where does one start? Where does one end? Where is the beginning? I don't know, but I will tell you this word, affected. One does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantity some of us have. You know, I used to think, well, I'm not as bad as... I haven't gained that much, and yet I woke with those four husbands 
the same as anybody that has. We have to come to that place wherever we are in life. But I want to zero in on one other line, if I may, and I'm going to go down. Certain drinkers, here I raise my hand, that's where I was, who would be greatly insulted. <laughs> of course not me. If called alcoholics, not that are astonished at their inability to stop. That's what stopped me. That word, stop, I couldn't. You know, there's a line and it says you couldn't or you wouldn't. It doesn't matter. I was in the same place. I couldn't stop for all the reasoning, all the mental. They talk about the mental twists. How could I go round in a circle and come out the same place every time? You went round in a circle. Why would you think it would be different? Ha! But you see, that's what I thought. And until I could come to that place of astonishment, that's not what I wanted to see, but that's what I must see, and that's what I had to see, and I thank God that I did. So I thank you for allowing me to share, mindful of time, and this is Paula, and I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Sally. Leah. Sarah W. Suji. Okay, let's go with uh, Sally A, Leah M, Sarah W, and Suji. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to speak to this, uh, the ending of this page 33, certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics are astonished at their inability to stop. And it goes on to talk about the potential, the large number of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere, but try and get them to see it. And so, um, I'm, you know, I wanted to just bring up on page 23 of the AA 12 and 12, it talks about raising the bottom. It says here on page 23 in the AA 12 and 12, it was obviously necessary to raise the bottom the rest of us had hit to the point where it would hit them. By going back in our own drinking histories, we could show that years before we realized it, we were out of control, that our drinking even then was no mere habit. And I could continue to read because it talks a lot about raising the bottom. And we've heard that expression. I've heard that expression for a long time but never really understood why it was so important, and it is important. It's important for me to share where I've been, what's happened to me, to share, you know, the dark depths of where I went in this, quote, eating career of mine so that people who are much younger don't have to go there. They don't have to gain 100 pounds three times in their life and struggle to lose the same 100 pounds three times over and over and over. They don't have to do what I did. If they hear what my life looked like early in my eating career, then they could identify in and they don't have to suffer the way I've suffered in my life with this eating career. And so these are really important words potential alcoholics. You can't tell somebody else that they're a potential food addict or a potential compulsive overeater. You can't tell them, but either they can identify in, they can recognize 
some of the subtle symptoms that they are experiencing that you can show in grosser form in your own history of going through it yourself. And there when we can give a fabulous gift, I won't read it, but on page 124, it talks about the importance, the most important thing that we have to gain from this horrible past of eating and gaining weight and losing weight and all the, the terrible things I've done to my body, my body. The important thing is that I can share in a significant way for an important reason so that someone else doesn't have to live what I've lived. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally A. Leah M. Thank you so much, Melanie, for your service. Good morning, everybody. This is Leah, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Uh, yeah, I too <laughs> wanted to uh, point to page 23 in the essay of step one in the AA 12 and 12 where it does say that, you know, we have the opportunity uh, to help young people by raising the bottom and showing that this is no mere habit, that indeed it was the beginning of a fatal progression. Uh, it was then discovered that when one alcoholic had planted in the mind of another the true nature of his malady, that person could never be the same again. I mean, I don't know about your disease. I can certainly uh, tell you a bit about mine, that this uh, noose uh, began to tighten itself around my neck at a very young age. Um, I remember binging uh, at the age of four, actually, um, and, uh, you know, it continued to progress uh, like a runaway train from that point on until it uh, beat me uh, to a bit of a pulp and I crawled my way in at the age of 19. Um, I had no idea where this disease would take me. I had no idea the de depths to which this disease would drag me. Um, it was still five more years in the rooms of OA and five more years of progression um, that I had to uh, experience before I fully surrendered. But the beauty is that, uh, you know, it was then discovered that when one alcoholic had planted in the mind of another the true nature of his malady, and this is the uh, blessing uh, of, of a group like this, where you have folks who are recovered from this seemingly hopeless uh, state of mind and body, who uh, are able to uh, live by the fact that we try to uh, have our high mission of offering an adequate representation of the program of recovery. That was something I lacked in the rooms. I did not have a messenger telling me about the allergy of the body obsession of the mind. That doesn't mean I didn't have people who were caring for me. That doesn't mean I didn't have people who were trying to be supportive. But I was not able to hear at that time, and I don't know whether I would have been receptive to it, but I did not hear at the time, what is my disease comprised of? Oh, it's not about my parents. It's not about my background. It's not about uh, this trauma that I experienced. No. Who and what am I? I am an, a real compulsive overeater. I have an allergy of the body, meaning that when I pick up certain substances, it triggers an abnormal reaction, a phenomenon of craving where I desire more of the same. And I have an obsession of the mind that even when I have stopped, even when I vowed and Uh, that I would, uh, re my, my, I had a mind that would 
you know, compel me back to the very foods that were killing me. So if there's any young ones on the phone this morning, stick around, uh, and perhaps uh, you too will want to stay. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Sarah W. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah W. Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um, what a great uh, paragraph, this last paragraph. You know, to be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time, nor take the quantity some of us have. You know, somebody asked me the other day, am I, when I get recovered, am I still an alcoholic? Am I still a compulsive overeater? And it almost brings tears to my eyes because this is the reality that we each need to face. I, You know, I came in at 38 years old. I didn't know about the program before then. I was fortunate enough to have a, a, a psychiatrist direct me this way because she realized um, that I had a big problem. And uh, so grateful for that today. But, um, you know, like like was stated, you know, I'm not sure where I would be if I was directed this way when I was 14 or, you know, personally, some of us, I think, believe that, you know, I believe that I probably was born this, you know, this is what I was born, this is just how I was genetically set up. The great news is that there is hope for all of us and that if we've come in here and we're willing to do the work, that, you know, the program, which is really all about the steps, can work for us. And for some reason, this came into my mind this morning. I just wanted to share it, and it's very apropos, that, um, you know, the steps is what offer me a spiritual solution. It offers me a personality change. It's the tools that help me walk through those steps to get to that place. And for some reason, when I came in, people directed me to the tools as that was the answer. And that is not the answer. Fortunately, I came up, my second sponsor was very big book oriented. But if you're questioning your program and you're struggling still, you know, delve deeper into those steps, lean into those steps, and, and put your problems on the side, and those problems will dissipate. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. Sue G. Good morning, Melanie and others. I'm glad to be here, Suji, recovered in southeastern Pennsylvania. So I'll gravitate right to the truth about me. Um, as we look back, we feel we had gone on drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our on our willpower. Um, so I look at that because I came in here through through an Anon fellowship, and so I was accepting of I'm a family member of addicted people. And, and then I discovered I'm one of the addicted people. Um, and both both that way and in OA. And I have no regret. And, and I want to share that perspective that, that to me, we, we have a choice here. And I can look at this and say, what a sorry life I have led that I had a gradual awakening or I can look back and I can look back to when I was 17 years old and I was very open to learning compared to where I got when I was 51 which is how old I was when I entered a 12-step fellowship and I was um, how old was I here Uh, 
I think I was 60, 66. Yeah. Wow. I came to OA when I was 66. Now, I really knew that I needed to come here when I was 51 and went somewhere else. And I got a lot out of the somewhere else, but I, but I relapsed into somewhere else. And I needed to come here to be slapped in the face with what we're being slapped with now, which is the, the step one realization that, that I am powerless and that every day to me now is a day of conscious acceptance. That, that is what my recovered state means to me. And that doesn't mean I am conscious of everything. I, I'm not God. So if, if I think I know the answer, if I, if I think, and, and this is just my experience, if I think God is talking to me, it's, it's, it's not him. It, it's me. I'm, I'm talking. And, and I need to shut up and listen and and shut up is not a cruel thing to say to myself anymore. It's it's a kind thing. It's okay, you like to talk. That's great. That's helped you learn things. That's helped you listen to others and be curious. But now be quiet, take your turn and listen to the alternative to the addiction. The addiction will always talk to me, whatever the addiction is to. And and I need listen to the alternative and turn 180 degrees and I can do that every day of my life thanks to all of you and thanks to what I've learned here. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Suji. We can take one more person to share if there's a burning desire before we end our meeting today. Press star one. This is Anita. Is it too late? No, that's great, Anita. Yes, we have two more minutes. Thank you. All right. This is Anita J. Um, calling in very grateful uh, from Massachusetts, a recovered compulsive old reader. And thank you, Melanie, for being there for all of us. Um, you know, I was very, very invested in not being as bad as my mother, which meant that I had to act as if being a compulsive overeater wasn't that big a deal compared to my mentally ill alcoholic mother who lived 13 years in a mental institution. I mean, how how um, how can I... I had to divorce myself in every possible way except guess which way I could never divorce myself. By my behavior. My behavior was mama. And you know what? In many ways, you go through this process, you find out some of your survival, some of your best stuff came from her. It's just amazing when you block the the part you think is bad, which turned out to be one of my greatest gifts, having a way into the 12 steps. I mean, I couldn't even stand at the typical age they said I was so chubby or fat, or whatever they call kids back then. I mean, it's it's um, it's a miracle, really, that um, I was given the gift of being a compulsive overeater so that I could find my way to a life second to none. And I want to thank, you know, along the way, you know how many different sponsors I've had, each giving it their best. And each trying the best they could. I am so grateful that I came here for the first time.
notice the word recovered. And I would never give up listening to this program. I mean, it is it is a constant reminder. This is not a five call me five days a week and on the weekend good luck. I mean, it's a seven days I have to know what's going on. I listen to old tapes on Saturday. I talk, I do service, I sponsor. It's a privilege. It is such a privilege. Uh, and it always keeps in the front that I am one of these. Yes, proudly, I am one of these. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Anita J. And with that, it is time to close the recorded portion of our meeting today. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with the serenity prayer. Um, Will Deanna B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Melanie. My name is Deanna B., currently residing in Green Valley, Arizona. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.